0: howdy and welcome to another bp movie journal the show we do where we talk about the things we've seen since the last time we did one of these i'm david i'm tyler uh and it's been a couple weeks and i've uh i haven't quite gotten to movie a day uh i've I've watched 13 movies 12 of which i'll be talking about uh uh today over the last two weeks so um one shy of the movie a day uh goal but um i'm gonna it's there's gonna be a lot of 2020 on here this is a lot of like because you and i are doing our like best of uh podcasts so um there's there's i should uh... have
1: i should have more 2020 on my list than i do unfortunately
0: well um let's start with uh a nasty and very highly recommended little thriller called alone which you can watch on hulu directed by john hyams Mm -hmm. Uh, john hyams is among like aficionados of action and like direct to streaming type of, uh, action. Uh, John Hyams is a big name. I've never seen any of those movies and maybe I'm a genre snob because I waited till he made a thriller instead of his, uh, sure. uh, you know, the, the, the fifth universal soldier sequel or whatever, uh, which people <laughs> love. Um, really? But, um, yeah. Oh yeah. His, he made his name, <laughs> he made his name directing universal soldier sequels that are like by all accounts way better than they have any right to be. Sure. Um, and uh, but no, he, uh, this this movie uh, alone uh, is terrific. Um, it's a, a about a woman who. Uh, all right, hold on. Her name's Jules Wilcox is the actress. Uh, she's uh, her she's a recent widow. She's decided, sort of on short notice, to pack up and and move uh, um, to some other part, remote part of the country. But uh, she finds herself being uh followed by this this man who um uh, uh on the one hand I, I started to think like oh this movie's gonna do a thing of like is this guy a creep and a stalker or is she like in an emotional like weird place and is sure. like, being paranoid and it it's fun that it like plays with that for maybe 25 minutes and it's like oh fuck no he's a he's a kidnapper murderer and then it becomes like an escape the kidnapper um type of movie but uh it it's 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 so it's so propulsive It, it has it does not have a single uh dull moment um it's it's clever it never has the uh the thriller thing of the person doing something stupid just to keep the plot sure. going you know like uh, everything seems so so uh um uh so purposeful and and, and so thought out and i understand that, that, like i said this is a um a thriller not an action movie but it does have um uh, you know some hand-to-hand you know struggles and stuff and i yeah. get why this guy I, I need to go back and check out this guy's uh, action work because he's uh clearly very much in in control of uh of his uh of his skills um it's always interesting to me when somebody who specializes
1: in one genre or style does something else so like bringing action sensibilities to a thriller is something i find interesting and then admittedly like john carpenter made assault on precinct 13 sort of before he was like the horror guy but that's officially an action movie that could not be more of a horror movie.
0: Yeah. Uh, very, very and I feel
1: like that, that it always brings like a really crackling kind of energy to whatever the movie is.
0: Um, yeah. And uh, you've also got a brief appearance by uh, character actor Anthony Held. Uh, oh, all right. I've always liked. Yeah. Uh, or healed? Maybe. I don't know. I say Held. but uh, I think I also have only ever said Held uh next up okay we've talked about this ongoing uh, open-ended series of natalie showing me movies she she liked as a kid here's one that i hadn't even heard of or thought i hadn't and then part of the way in like do you ever see something and like oh i caught that on tv when i was probably seven years old yeah um and so uh i i there was a part of the movie that I, but I essentially didn't know this movie existed, but there was one weird part that I was like, oh my God, I know this. Anyway, uh, the movie is directed by Ken Kwapis. It's from 1988. It's called Vibes.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I know Vibes. Um I didn't know King Kwapis made it though. That's interesting. Yeah, like Quapis I know him as like a TV guy with the office and all kinds of stuff.
0: Um, but starring uh, Cindy Lauper and Jeff Goldblum and Peter Falk, yeah. mm-hmm. um, Michael Lerner's in, in there. Um, uh, Van Dyke parks of all people. Uh, Steve Buscemi shows up. I forgot about that. Uh, Julian Sands is uh, of course uh, sure. a bad guy. Max Perlick is in it. Uh, good, good cast. Uh, basically, um Jeff Goldblum and Cindy Lauper play um, psychics yeah. who get enlisted, uh, but lied to about why to to go down to. No, I can't remember where it was. Ecuador. Uh, I think it's Ecuador. Um, to uh, to find a missing person, but really they want to. The, they want to. The, the, these people, uh, Peter Falk and Julian Sands, and and other people want them to use their their uh, psychic powers to find some some sort of city of lost gold or whatever it's a very uh, it's not as good as Joe versus the volcano but it has right. some of that sensibility of of being like kind of uh, anything goes and some and very broad and silly at times but also having um, one thing it does have in common I think with Joe versus the volcano is undeniable chemistry between Jeff Goldman and Cindy Lauper. Um, uh, Cindy Lauper and jeff goldblum are people i i feel like those are people who uh, it's a it's weird that cindy lopper never acted and act more because yeah. she's got such a presence and i feel like the camera loves her and that's true of jeff goldblum too and so just seeing uh these two just absolute characters i, I mean obviously they're playing characters but yeah goldblum and Lauper, they're their capital c characters in real life anyway yeah. um and so just seeing them uh bounce off each other um and bounce off of peter falk uh, yeah. who's who's uh essentially the third lead in 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 the movie um is is fantastic uh it's it's just big dumb goofball fun um i i, I couldn't believe uh, yeah uh, for some reason the part um um that right at the beginning, we meet them. They're at this like uh, Julian Sands is like a professor, or like he's like a I can't remember what he is, but he's conducting a study on psychics. So we we meet sure. all the psychics in the movie with this little test, and and the one so Jeff Golden's particular psychic power is he can touch something and tell you the history of that object. So um, uh, they're handing him a bunch of knives, and he's like this you just bought this at the grocery store blah, blah, blah. and then he like picks up this knife he's like oh this was used in a murder the person was stabbed so many however many times um and he's like that the and the person conducting the test uh, which i think is van dyke parks it's like uh that's right and then jeff goldblum uh says also someone had sex on this table <laughs> um, and maybe the sex like joke is why it stood out to me my like that was the one part from seeing it on tv as a kid that i remembered was the uh murder weapon in the sex table. Sure.
1: I, yeah, I saw the movie when I was, when I was a kid, it probably, it might've been my introduction to Jeff Goldblum, either that or uh, earth girls are easy. Um, Which I've never
0: seen. My introduction to Jeff Goldblum was of all things, Silverado.
1: Sure. Sure. Um, but yeah, uh, I it's it's a movie that I was thinking about the other day because I was listening to or watching an old uh, Siskel and Ebert episode in which they were talking about the worst movies of whatever that whatever
0: year that was and Vibes was on their list. Oh, um I can't believe I, mean, I guess people don't get Joe versus the volcano either. Maybe um, not. Yeah, but uh, they kept
1: it, th- what they kept saying, and in retrospect, I I see what they mean. That like it just felt like it was trying so hard to be, like, Romancing the Stone. Uh, Like, two characters sort of on an adventure and that sort of thing. And
0: maybe I would have felt that way at that time, too. But, like, I get to see it, and I'm seeing it in 2021, not even... Romancing the Stone didn't cross my mind once because it's not 1988. So, yeah, that makes sense. And maybe it is uh, uh, inspired by that. But uh, it makes me wonder... That that sort of thing makes me wonder about, like, what movies... New movies am I not liking that if I saw them on their own 20 years, 30 years uh, oh, yeah. from now, um, divorced of whatever context I'm bringing to them, uh, might I have a different appreciation for?
1: Yes, along those lines, my first film is Zack Snyder's Justice League, a film that carries a lot of context with right. it. Um, and uh, yeah, I was I was curious about it because uh, I saw the first Justice League, uh, or the, the theatrical Justice League, when it came out, I reviewed, it, I reviewed it for the site unfavorably. Uh, but, and, and even though I, knowing what I think about Zack Snyder, I didn't think I was going to like the new Justice League. I was correct. I didn't, but I was, I was nonetheless curious because like, all right, it's, it's fun to see, uh, a director's intention to see the theatrical cut of something you know I was happy I saw the theatrical cut of Blade Runner before I saw the director's cut. I still haven't seen the final cut, but uh, same with like touch of evil and all. it's just a fun thing. And so I felt like, oh, and this is one where it is so much longer than, than the theatrical version. Let's give it a shot. Uh, and sure enough, it, it certainly benefits. From the the story and the characters benefit from the extended runtime um, because, especially because they're introducing all these new characters like the Flash, like Aquaman, um, and so it allows it allows them a little bit more time to be introduced. It lets the story unfold in a way that is I'm not gonna I won't say organic, but it it, it just feels a little bit more naturalistic. Um, but at the same time, I just so it's certainly better i think um but all the stuff that makes the first it makes the theatrical bad is what makes this bad uh there's just so much first off i just feel like the the tone of it like it's just one of those things where i uh, again by all accounts Zack snyder nicest guy in the world um obviously the 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 sad circumstances surrounding justice league makes me uh, and the film is dedicated to his daughter understandably so and so it's hard not to like try to you know kind of be be soft on the movie and i'm perfectly willing to be soft on uh him as a person but just the tone is so self-serious you know serious i can live with a dark Superhero movie I can live with. But when it's whether he means for it to be or not, when it's self-consciously serious, when it's borderline self-congratulatory serious, Mm -hmm. uh, that that really gets to me that. And I think the story is just so derivative of so many other things like, and this is something that I had a problem with in the theatrical cut. It's like, it's just so there's so much Lord of the Rings and obviously there's Avengers stuff. It just, it just feels cobbled together by other movies uh, from other movies. And, and as strong as, as its cast is and is as better developed as some of these characters are, it's just not enough for me to like, for me to overlook the story because it is a story-driven film and the tone and it's, and it has yet again, another, it has another fucking Superman cross pose. It's just like, yeah, we, we've all got it, man. Like you don't need to do this anymore. He's already being resurrected. You you don't have to do anything beyond that. It's fine. But no, he does that. And just like, come on, this is, it just, it just frustrates me. It almost felt like he was doing that as a fuck you to people like me, but I don't think he has that in him. I think everything that he does is Hmm. he's doing it completely sincerely and good for him, but it just, yeah, the movie just did not work for me. I'm I'm happy to say that it's better than, than the theatrical cut and, and good for him. But I also wonder if it's like, if, if what had happened had not happened and he was still, you know, he still directed the theatrical cut. They would not have allowed him four hours. Like a, a big part of why this works is because it has time to breathe. And even if they had let him have three hours, it still would have felt a little bit truncated. And so I do think that the degree to which this movie is good is only possible because of the circumstances surrounding it. Um but that's yeah that's my opinion a lot of people really like it and uh i'm i'm not one of them i like elements of it but not the whole thing
0: well um maybe the reason i didn't get to my movie a day average is because one of the movies i watched was also a four hour plus movie Mm -hmm. i watched frederick Wiseman's city hall oh all right um i do this to myself every couple of years well no here's the thing (laughs) i did i generally don't respond Uh that well to frederick Wiseman, but his movies always make lists and i force myself to watch them in preparation for our end of the year stuff and um the reason i walk back what i said just now is because sometimes it pays off because city hall is fucking great and i just i i I realized that like maybe uh, um you know uh well you i weren't on the obviously on the uh afi fest wrap-up uh, episode but scott and i were talking about the hopper wells documentary mm-hmm. and and he liked it a lot more than i did because i i i can't i i can't get over like when i just don't like the subject of a documentary like sometimes sure. it, it's um it, it's a bit too uh, i could do it more with a fiction film if i but if i don't like spending time with a real person it it gets in my head and i just yeah. started to like so it like you know that movie's like two and a half hours and 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 um uh dennis hopper as much as i love him as a director as an actor is just like a a whole lot just a, a lot of hot air just uh sure. a windbag. anyway and that's how i felt about something like at berkeley um which which is um um uh, another four plus hour frederick weisman movie about uh berkeley university it's mostly either like uh god love him, but it's a lot of like 19 year olds who think they know a lot more than they do or it's the staff the administration of the school who are essentially all like former hippie sellouts and i don't like yeah. them either
1: um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, or got, or even worse still hippies
0: yeah <laughs> didn't sell out um, um but uh city hall which is uh about boston city hall uh and about the running of boston day-to-day it, uh, it was shot uh, over the winter of 2018 2019 uh, or i guess starting at the it starts right after the red sox won the world series in 2018 mm. and then goes i think until the spring um, uh, and uh, first of all it's got it, it like something with like like with something like american movie accents go a long way you've got four and a half hours oh. of <laughs> uh, yeah. it, it, you know it's um uh, uh it's it's fantastic especially the the, if there's a main character to this it's the mayor or it was the mayor at the time as of last week our US labor secretary marty walsh mm. um is uh is the main character and he's got that 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 thick uh accent and that's a that's a ton of fun but um I, this uh, french requirement style really pays off when it's when I'm on the same wavelength as as he is and so here you've got it's four and a half hours of just here's how a city is run and it's usually like on the surface, it's pretty boring. Like it's a lot of administrative, it's sure. a lot of like people talking in like addressing small crowds of people in small rooms, you know, um, and, and, uh, uh, um, uh, you, you know, uh, trying to reach a consensus or whatever, or saying things that some of the person in power then just says like, yeah, good point. And then moves on and then never happens. But I think, frederick weisman's undying humanism matches up with mine in this case which is just like these people no matter what side they're on no matter what side you're on i believe that these people who work in boston city government want to do a good job and are and and are and want to make the city uh, uh, a better place or at least a, a, an optimal place for for people and i think uh you know it's it's very easy to be cynical about about government and uh i, I suppose you could watch this movie with a cynical eye and say this is all just like like with me and dennis opera this is all just a lot of hot air but um uh it, it 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 does feel like it's a very uh it's a it's a movie that has a lot of faith that believes in people even if it doesn't believe it doesn't have an opinion on whether or not what they're doing actually (laughs) helps, but, uh, I I think it's a movie that loves people and gives you a reason to, uh, to love. There's not a single villain in this movie, no matter, no matter what, uh, when, when it's, you know, the, um, you know, there's, uh, uh, owners of a medicinal cannabis business who want to open a store in a neighborhood that's, kind of low income and so low income people are saying, you know, what are you going to do for the neighborhood? It's just going to make things worse. Are you going to make things better? Like, um, it would be easy for someone like me to pick a side there. Um, uh, but Frederick Weissman doesn't pick a side. He, he sees two people arguing. He, he, he sees two people arguing and presents it to us as two people or two groups of people, uh, trying to work towards, uh, toward a consensus. Um, and It's like that for four and a half hours. It's got the great accents. Um, you also get to see, uh, uh there's really a really cool extended. Like, obviously, Frederick Wiseman just liked this as much as I did. He's got like a big, like, industrial, like, garbage truck that, like, cru- like, seriously crushes stuff. And you've got guys just tossing like metal furniture and stuff into it. And it's just like seriously, like, a three or four minute shot of just sure. like stuff getting crushed. <laughs> and it's super cool. <laughs> um, Moving on from that, I watched uh, uh, a a horror movie that I somehow hadn't heard about, even though it's great um on Netflix called his House. Have you heard of his No, house? I haven't uh, so it uh, it's it's a as it suggests, it's a haunted house type of horror movie, but uh, with a very uh, specific and and at least in the past decade or so uh, uh timely um terms it's about a married couple who are uh refugees from the uh from sudan who are granted asylum by the british government and given a place to live and uh it turns out that place is haunted but the um the question is uh did they move into a haunted house or did they bring something with them the the scars of their terrible experience um and the things that they may have done that in order to get out of sudan they might have had to do some things um uh that were less than uh wholesome i guess uh and so that's that's the question who is who are the ghosts who's haunting the house uh it's uh really cool really scary really um there's a lot of um uh really beautiful dream sequence shots that reminded me very much of uh did you see the house that jack built the large Venture film? no i didn't uh well the sort of hell the dante's in front of like hell type sequences um which are very like uh uh stunning These stunning like sort of tableau um the dream sequences in his house very much reminded me of of that um the scares are there i got that like you know, my arm hair st- standing up type of, type of, uh, thing, uh, from time to time, the fan, the performances are, are fantastic. I didn't know the, um, the, the, the two main, the direct, the director's name, by the way, is Remy Weeks. Um, the two main, uh, uh actors, I, uh, Sope Dirisu and Wunmi Musako, Mus- Musaku, um, they might be Sudanese because they speak both English and, um, I don't know if the language spoken in Sudanese in Sudan is called Sudanese, but, uh, they speak both languages and they might be the only, um, um, recognizable face is their um, sort of, uh, um, what would you call the, the agent, the person who works for the, the agency that's housing them is played by Matt Smith. Oh, all right. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, I, I, I always like, like him. He's a, he's a good presence. So definitely, uh, yeah. I highly, highly recommend his house if you like horror, if you like haunted house movies. If you were put on, you know, if you're worried about horror, uh, then word of warning: this shit does get scary. Um, but uh, to other people, that'll be a, a recommendation. All right.
1: Uh, okay, so next is me, right? Okay. Yep.
0: So So uh,
1: I saw Lee Isaac Chung's Minari, and uh, really. Liked it for a number of reasons, as you know, despite
0: uh, the presence of your least favorite actor of all time, Will Patton.
1: Okay. He's not my least favorite actor. And I will say, and I tweeted this out that I, I have, I have finally uh, stumbled upon a a performance by Will Patton that I really liked.
0: Did you, you tweeted this from your more lessons account? Yes. Yes, I I forget to, I forget to check that one.
1: Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, I don't really update either of them very often, but, uh, and then the other day, actually, I, from my more lessons account, I decided like, you know what? I think I'm going to get back into Twitter. So I started like following a lot of accounts and within two days I was like, I, this was a bad call. So I started unfollowing a lot of people. Um, it's like, all right, I guess I'm sticking with, uh, cute animals. Um, so, uh, yeah. Uh, and I will say, yes, very briefly. Um, I think Will Patton's great uh, in this movie. I like, uh, you know, the thing that that tended to bother me about him is that I felt like there was always a generic quality to his performance. Like I feel like he never, he never really took a character and made it his own. It always, I could always see any number of other actors playing the character and probably doing more with it. This is an, ex- this is definitely an exception. Like I, there's a full, fully developed character uh, in his, in his energy in its in his sincerity it's a really really solid performance um you know from the way he prays to like speaking in tongues to just stuff like you know when he's offered a cigarette and he just immediately he's like like, oh in the name of god get that away from me and what i love is that at no point does do i feel like he or or lee isaac chung i don't think i don't think uh, they're judging this guy i think they see him as weird but extremely well-meaning um and uh And I think that's something that increasingly something that I appreciate is, you know, here we have this story of this of this Korean family uh, in Arkansas. And, you know, so much of of what we are, I think, trained, possibly with good reason to believe, is that, like, all right, this is actually going to be a movie about the people around them, not treating them well, because they're so different. Um, there is an element of that, but what I like is that uh, I do feel like the, the Lee Isaac Chung who, you know, the story is, is partially uh, autobiographical. So I imagine that he probably has a great deal of affection for people like the Will Patton character. Um, and, and even like when they go to the church, uh you know, there there's even a moment where like they're asked by the, like regardless of race, like when the pastor asks them, like because they're new to like stand up and then like say, says, like, thank you so much for being here and all that. Like it's it, no thank you to that, no matter what. Uh, I don't like the idea of being uh, of, you know, but that's the kind of thing that somebody that a pastor in a small town in the South would do. You know, I in, you know, Springfield is, is not not much for uh, not very far North from, from Arkansas. So there's uh, some similarities there, but also I just, you know, it's a film about so much, including, I'd say, maybe even primarily about a marriage that is just kind of hanging by a thread and just the idea of like the, the, the difficulties of economic stress and just this idea of like, you know, uh, a a man played by Stephen Yoon, who I think is a delivers a really great Um, understated performance, but he's trying to like do something. He's trying to like grab onto this idea of, of the American dream. And that means like going out into an unfamiliar place that he sees potential in and really trying to make it work. And just this feeling of like, but then his, his wife, you know, on one hand, that's understandable for him to do. On the other hand, it's, it's understandable for his wife to be very skeptical about all of this. And And then like, and his, and his, and their children getting sort of caught in between. And then the addition of this other character, the grandmother character who is quite delightful. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's, I like that it is about all of that while still, and, and you can, you can glean larger concepts from that. You can, you can say the film is about the American dream. It's about the immigrant experience. It's about all these things and you wouldn't be wrong, but it is also still very much just about this family. And it's this guy telling his own story. And uh, I really, I really responded to it. There's only one, a couple moments where I felt like it's, it's maybe a little bit too on the nose, but for the most part, I really, uh, I was really on board with it.
0: Yeah, I don't have much to say because it has been a very long time <laughs> since I've seen yeah. since I saw it. Um, but uh, I do like that because this is okay. This is a movie that uh, touches on issues of faith mm-hmm. and and touches on church, and there's overlap, but there's also like they aren't necessarily the same thing. I feel like right. It's, uh, it it's rare. I mean, I mean, I obviously don't go to church at all <laughs> anymore <laughs> because. Uh, um, I know I keep inviting Uh, you and uh, you know uh, it seems rare in movies to see church depicted as just community rather Mm -hmm. than just a place where people go to a, you know uh, uh find spiritual belonging to express themselves spiritually there also is just i mean that that was my experience of 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 church of of being in in the parish that i was in uh as a as a catholic uh boy in st louis that like uh yeah there was the god and the belief part but also like churches where social functions were it's like the people you hung out with like the people your parents were friends with where other people yeah. from the church and you were friends with their kids and everything and like that, uh, uh, that, that depiction of, of, of church as, as just community, uh, is, seems kind of rare.
1: Uh, incidentally, when I lived in Nixa, um, in the neighborhood where I lived uh, to drive home, I would always have to pass by a Korean church. And I remember one of, you know, and and their sign was in uh, Korean. There was also a, a uh, English uh, sign as well. And I remember thinking at the time, just like, it's like, are there, are there that many Koreans in this area? Like, I, I feel like I haven't seen very many. And that's when I realized like, Maybe not in the Nixa area, but maybe in the larger Springfield area, like there's there were enough that justified this church. And maybe and there is something to be said for uh, having that type of community in a place like Southern Missouri or Arkansas, where it's like we, we need someone who has a similar, not even necessarily like heritage, but just a similar background, uh, that we can relate to in, in that regard. So anyway, uh, yeah, uh, listeners, uh, check out, uh, Minari. I'm sure you were probably going to anyway, but, uh, but go ahead and, and give it a look.
0: Uh, all right. Next up, uh, also from 2020, uh, I watched the Mexican film directed by Fernanda Valadez called identifying features. Um, this is a, a movie that kind of tells uh, two stories that then end up lining up. In, in one, a uh, uh, the mother of a um, teenage uh, boy um, who the the teenager left to go and try and cross over into the U.S. She hasn't heard from him for months, so she decides to go. She she starts to worry, think for reasons I won't get into that something might have happened to him. So she decides to set out and try and find her teenage son uh so she's heading north toward the border meanwhile there's another uh, young man in his 20s who's who's from Mex- who's mexican who has just been deported from the us we don't know why and he's also journeying back south to where um he uh, his family lives and wouldn't you know these two meet up um uh the the movie is um it's it's very heavy uh in in the um the the horrors that it that it touches upon um it it's very up my alley in certain ways in the sense that it doesn't like i said we don't know why this man was deported we don't know a lot we don't there's not a lot of extra information given we don't really know much more than we have to and a lot of things are learned um uh kind of secondhand um and uh the horrors again that i will use that word again um that the movie depicts it often depicts kind of obliquely but in a way that doesn't diminish the horror of them it's almost like this is too terrible like too horrible for us to look at straight on so we're gonna find this way of pointing the camera over here or doing this like effect um uh uh the yeah the 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 movie overall is very um uh darkly poetic um and and has uh, some great great uh performances uh at its center i will say some demerits at the end for i think it it the way it wraps up becomes a little um it feels a little reverse engineered it feels like yeah. uh what's the uh, <laughs> okay what's the opposite of a like a deus ex machina is when things like something comes out of the blue to save everyone what's the what's the one something comes out of the like when there's a ridiculous coincidence that only (laughs) makes everything worse um but uh it's like the worst possible version of events happens and it feels like that's a little too uh schematic i guess um but uh yeah, I, I definitely look forward to more from Fernanda Valadez, um in the future because I really like uh, her style. Um, all right. L- next up, the most recent of the Natalie shows, David, her childhood favorites. And this is one – this has happened – okay. With vibes, like I talked about before, Natalie was like, this might suck because she hadn't seen it in so long. <laughs> yeah. And I ended up really liking it. This one, she was like – this might suck. And, um, it did it. Okay. It sucked. Um, let me, uh, uh, I, I watched, we watched Leslie Linka Gladders now and then.
1: Oh yes. Okay. Yes. This is also one, a big one for Jen as well. When she was younger. Uh,
0: it, yeah. I mean, it's got a really, uh, great cast you've got. Yeah. Um, uh, cause now and then is it's takes, takes place in the sixties and the, or I think, is it, It's 1970, I think. It's supposed to be 25 years. So it Mm -hmm. takes place in 1970 and in 1995. Uh, You've got Christina Ricci um, playing a young Rosie O'Donnell. You've got Thora Birch playing a young Melanie Griffith. You've got Gabby Hoffman uh, playing a young Demi Moore. And you've got an actress named, uh, holy shit, where'd it go? Um, I lost her name. Oh, that's sad because she, uh, Ashley Aston Moore, who sadly has passed away, uh, plays a uh, young Rita Wilson. Um, but uh, for one thing, I, I, the title and just I, I shouldn't judge a movie based on what I thought it was going to be. But I really thought there was going to be a lot more back and forth. The adult yeah. stars that I just named, are re- it's really just a framing device. Mm-hmm. Um uh, which feels weird because it feels like a lot within that framing device a lot transpires it just seems like a lot of stuff was probably i it makes me wonder if maybe in the script or even in the shooting stages there was more of a like balanced sure. version of this story and they decided to focus it on 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 the, uh, the the kids for almost the entire running time because it's uh it's the amount of stuff that Demi Moore's character who narrates the movie like brings to her to the 1995 segment and like the place that she's at by the end of it it's like oh she must have gone through some shit while i was looking at this <laughs> <Yeah. 1970." laughs> um but uh i'm sure even if it was it was probably really corny because this movie is just a parade of um uh uh characters having uh, heartfelt talk to talk to heart heartfelt talks heart to hearts is what i was trying to say um uh talks and uh finding uh inspirational cones to pass on to one another and it's uh sometimes like embarrassingly bad (laughs) like um uh brendan frazier shows up in the 70s part as a Mm. um vietnam vet turned hippie who Mm. i mean it feels like it was Written by someone who was, who was thirteen in nineteen ninety five and was imagining what the Vietnam War was and what <laughs> hippies were. It, yeah. it is so uh, it's it, it's so made for TV in that in that in that way. Uh, and there's there's lots of stuff uh, like that. Um, I mean, you've got some other uh, um, actors who who pop up. Janine Garofalo uh, uh, shows up, which is weird. Like Janine Garofalo, I feel like is so. Of her time that's seeing yeah. her playing a, a character in 1970. She's a waitress in yeah. 1970. It's like, are you is this Outlander? Are you from the future?
1: <laughs> yeah, that's true. She has, to the degree that anybody could have a 90s cadence, it's her. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. All so... Right. My, uh, yeah, now, I haven't been keeping track. I'm sorry. I, I stopped I'm, I'm listening to you, you years that ago. That um okay, so this is a rewatch. I do I did rewatch a few movies. Um I'm only including a couple of them here. Uh so I saw Rob Reiner's Misery. Uh my wow. in, my in-laws were in town and we threw on Misery. By we, I mean, I did, uh, we we're, we we're, and, and Jen's dad had not seen it. And so we all watched it. And I mean, I've seen it multiple times. I love it. I think it's a it's so really good. great movie.
0: I hadn't seen it just, forever. Maybe, and then a few years ago, uh, I think shout put out a Blu-ray and I reviewed it for the website and I watched it and it's like, Oh my God, this is so good. Maybe just as funny as it is <laughs> stressful.
1: Uh, I don't know, yeah. but the thing that really but got also me just this time as much
0: before, of a, like, a like it's as much a richard farnsworth detective movie in some way i know as it is a a james conn being tortured yeah called movie. yeah
1: somewhere (laughs) somewhere richard farnsworth and Scatman crothers are getting to the bottom of things (laughs) and they're doing fine everything works (laughs) out great for them um but yeah so uh but the thing so i mean obviously the performances are great like You know, we think of like over the top Kathy Bates in the film and sure she is sort of some variable variation of over the top at any given point. But there but within that, there's a definite spectrum. And it it really is fascinating to see what she's able to do with this character who is extremely unstable and what she can do to humanize her. And this character who is undeniably lethally insane, but she's, she also has occasional moments of self-awareness. And so like those, to me, those moments when she's apologizing for her behavior are when are the most humanizing and sometimes the most frightening because you also recognize almost like, almost like an abuser, like an abusive situation, this idea of like doing something terrible and then coming back and saying like, I'm so sorry, I care so much about you. Mm. Uh, So, I so she's marvelous, of course, and James Mm -hmm. Caan is also low level hilarious. (laughs) Uh, like the stuff that he has to say to humor her, and like, but there's just enough, there's just enough irony that we get it, but we understand why she doesn't. Um, but aside from all of that, the film has become, in my opinion. I'm going to say 100% more relevant now than it was then. Like we've done episodes about fan entitlement. You don't get more entitled oh. than Annie Wilkes. I
0: thought you, you don't were get... going to talk about like uh, the pandemic and us all being shut up inside our houses. <laughs>
1: well, that's the thing is, you know, I wandered out outside and Jen had to hobble me, you know how right. it goes. Um, but uh but, but rather than hobble me with uh, two hits of a sledgehammer, it was with uh, two children. Um, <laughs> but uh, anyway,
0: saw that's coming. So, still was happy when the got there. <laughs> I appreciate. It. Yeah, I
1: I knew you you'd see where I was going. Um, but that's the thing is, it, you know, the, it's it's not merely hey you this property that I love and I've been following you took it in a direction that I don't approve of. It's also you're doing something. Cause he also wrote this other book that has nothing to do with misery Chesting. He wrote this other book that doesn't fit with my, picture of you as an artist and so i'm going to make you ab- actually destroy it you know and i find myself thinking i mean god help me i don't mean to suggest that like kevin smith uh it, it puts high puts out high art but he definitely has fans and when jersey girl came out which admittedly was probably it's probably my favorite of his movies like it's not great but he is definitely trying something a little bit new and a little bit more overtly sentimental and dealing with actual family and that sort of thing. And his fans hated it because it was sincere because it was sentimental. Um, and, and then he went 13, If you can imagine, was it? Yeah. Huh? I could have sworn oh, anyway, but then like, and then of course he just went like, scrambling back to jay and silent bob or, or back to clerks i think he made clerks too shortly thereafter and so uh and that was nearly a few years ago but i feel like now you look at the way people talk the way few fans feel so possessive of star wars or harry potter or marvel or dc and it's like how dare you do this thing to this property that i love and understandably the, that property does kind of belong to the fans to a certain extent, but not so much that they can, that they get to dictate. Uh, and that is absolutely what this movie is. Like I feel like they, they could remake this movie and make almost no changes to the dialogue. And it would feel like a commentary on 2021 fandom, even though it was the movie was made uh, 31 years ago um, and based on a book Published even you know uh, even older than that, Uh, and so like in watching it, I I just because I haven't seen it in a while, and in watching it this time, it was it was like the first thing on my mind, Mm. and it just stayed there the whole time. And it's uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a great movie all around, but just it the way it became has become more relevant is something that really struck me.
0: Um, Yeah, confirmed Jersey Girl is PG thirteen. Wow, definitely was the uh, the better of the two uh Benefer movies, right? The the Oh yes. The ben lo movies. <laughs> Partially because JLo's not actually in it very much at all. True. Uh, True. I guess yeah but 70 years later we or, or we can spoil that uh, that Ben Affleck plays a yeah. widower. In yeah, she places. she doesn't make it, I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh although, you know, we you and I I think watched
0: Geely together. Yes. Yeah, with Cole, right? With Cole. The composer of our chilling theme music.
1: That's right. Uh and you know, it's not weird to to it's not unique to say this, but like that scene with Christopher Walken and that other scene with Al Pacino. Yeah. Yeah. Those scenes are so good. Yeah like on their own they're just like these little master classes in acting and writing um and humor and stress uh that like that almost makes it worth it and those scenes almost make it better than uh jersey girl but i think looking at it as a whole yes jersey girl is the better of those movies
0: uh all right well you referred to um misery is depicting kind of an abusive relationship on those uh, along those lines i finally got around to watching lee one l's the invisible man oh uh and this movie is the shit yeah <laughs> it's uh it's so good um I, I, I feel like sometimes people do a disservice by leading with a movie's um uh, uh cultural or or, or social or, or sociological relevance that like Uh, when people talk about like the thesis statement of like oh he's using the invisible man premise to investigate the way that a an abusive relationship can continue to torment an abuse and uh, an abused person even after she in this case she has removed herself uh from it that's that's very interesting that's absolutely what the movie does yeah um but uh it's also just a just a a rip-roaring firecracker of a tense-ass horror movie. Yeah. And Elizabeth Moss, I mean, I feel like in general, uh, horror performances um, don't get uh, uh, celebrated as much as they should. More on that in this week's main episode, actually. Um, But uh, uh, Elizabeth Moss being, like, believably terrified for 100 minutes is like it looks like it, it it looks like it must have taken so much out of her it, it, it looks like such a such a uh, an emotionally committed and draining uh performance and and we're all the better for the movies all the better yeah. for her for her commitment and it's a different kind of terrified
1: than say and now i oh my gosh i forget her name from texas chainsaw massacre oh um Uh Marilyn Burns? Marilyn Burns. Thank you. Um I I remember thinking that her performance is great because it just has to keep that for the last half hour just has to keep that energy. Right. But that's that's a very situational thing. Whereas this is like existential terror. This idea of like I'm never going to be rid of that. My life is this is just my life now.
0: Yeah, and and it's not just him. It's like other other people like people like all this hodges character that like is the most supportive in person in the world but even he has to like not entirely turn on her but he he has to be like i think you're crazy and i think you're a danger and i have to worry about my daughter storm reed Uh, her her character's name is storm reed Uh, (laughs) it's a weird choice (laughs) but that's that was the name of the character in the original novel so what choice did they have
1: (laughs) yeah uh multi by the way the film multi bp nominee including picture director actress a number stunts, of other things right? stunts yeah um
0: yeah i uh i, think I submitted stunts.
1: for score as well because that score okay. is just I, I wish i had yeah. seen it
0: um I, I i can't remember if it got nominated for stunts it should have i didn't nominate it for stunts because i hadn't seen it yet i absolutely would have if i sure. hadn't seen it um, uh, but I, and in, uh, on top of that lee when i was just um a terrifically um crafty and assured visual director both like with framing and stuff like that you've talked about when you've talked about the movie uh but also with visual effects um yeah using those in, in in really sharp uh sharp ways to to create uh surprise scares or tense uh moments or just like um the you know there's a part uh where he um the invisible man has in his invisible form grabs a person's gun and then points it at that person's leg and has that makes that person essentially shoot themselves in the knee. And it's like, there's a part of me that's like, ouch, but also like, awesome.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. I mean, along those lines, the, the dinner scene, which I won't even say here.
0: Yeah. I didn't even want to like,
1: yeah, that's, that's similar where you're just like, this is horrifying. And you're like, I can't think of a better scene this year. Like it's, it's yeah, it's amazing.
0: Uh, All right. Uh, And then from uh, that height to a movie that I was a a real letdown for me, the Academy loved it. I love David Fincher generally, at least in, uh, in, in the past, uh, I guess from Zodiac on, um, I I tend to love him, but uh, Mank just uh, it's uh, it's, it's too much and not enough at the same time. It's, sure. a, it's a big, huge uh, movie that um, mostly feels like it's just uh, spinning its wheels, repeating character uh, points, or just playing, you know, for for classic Hollywood fans, playing spot the reference or, sure. or things like that. And some of that I enjoyed. A lot of it probably went over my head because I'm not as well-versed in classic Hollywood as, as, as some uh, viewers are um i liked uh, i do you know i'm assuming that they didn't actually shoot at hearst castle uh but i also assume that uh, but, having been but i don't actually i didn't look into it yeah, yeah having visited that place within the last year and a half two years i guess yeah um it's incredible it looks both the inside and the grounds look so much like what Hurst Castle looks like. The movie definitely looks expensive in the way that, like, yeah. this is the, you know, last year, I guess, or 2019, Netflix had uh, The Irishman, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, a big, expensive-looking, like, prestige drama movie from a name director. This is, this year's The Irishman. It's definitely yeah. very big, very expensive-looking. I like that when for the RKO scenes, they clearly shot those on the Paramount lot, which mm-hmm. is where RKO was, was at the time, and for the MGM scenes, they clearly shot that on the Sony lot, which is in Culver City, which is, was the MGM yeah. lot. I liked that uh, as a lot nerd. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I also, oh, yeah, best part of the movie by far is Arlos Howard as Levi Mayer. He's so uh, great,
1: BP nominee for best supporting actor. Nobody ah. else is doing that, but we did.
0: Um, uh, yeah, it's he, he's great, but uh, I just couldn't, um, I I couldn't get into the movie and par- a big part of it. Unfortunately, I don't know why this hasn't been the headline for every review and every article of the movie, the gimmick with the dialogue with the sound yeah. is so off putting. And if people haven't seen it, I I feel like I'm the last person to have seen this movie, but in case people haven't seen the movie, uh, David Fincher made uh, mixed all the dialogue to be kind of echoey to replicate seeing a mono mix classic Hollywood movie in a big theater. And it's, I mean, I will admit it's often uncanny. Like it's like, wow, it really sounds like that. But also if I'm watching a movie from the thirties or or late thirties or early forties at home, like I'm watching make at home on Netflix, it doesn't sound like that. It only sounds like that because of the theater. So doing that here, when I'm watching it, in my in my apartment is 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 weird and off-putting and i never got into it and it never it it always was at odds with the reality not to say i'm not saying verisimilitude i'm not saying movies need to be verisimilitudinous what i'm saying is that they have to be consistent with reality created within the movie and i feel like that that choice never stopped being at odds with the movie's reality Yeah, I remember
1: when I when I watched it like that hit me. And then I for whatever reason, I was just able to just be like, all right, I guess this is what it is. And then just move on. I don't think it's something I like, but I was just able to just absorb it and say, like, all right, let's let's just keep going. There's plenty about this movie that is frustrating to me. Uh, I don't need to focus on this one thing.
0: I had. To, I'm glad uh, um, my wife wasn't home when I watched it. Uh, thankfully, um, she's got a little more freedom in her life because she is fully. She's all vaxxed up, uh, two vaccines plus the two weeks, and because of her line of work and her friends who are in that line of work, a lot of yeah. her friends are also fully vaxxed up. So she wasn't at home while I watched it, and I'm glad because because of that sound thing, I had to turn it so fucking loud. Yeah, my brain just wouldn't like i couldn't hear it when it was like a normal level i couldn't make sense of the dialogue because it was bouncing off itself yeah. um i had to watch the movie super loud uh, to to make sense of it so um I, i'm being really hard on it i feel like if i had reviewed the movie when it came out and i were doing my rotten tomatoes review i would probably still mark it fresh versus rotten but just like just barely I think. Yeah.
1: It's, it's a frustrating movie in that regard. Uh, there's so much I like about it so much. There, there's a lot of stuff I love about it. Like the production design, like the score, like a, a few of the performances, but overall it's just like, it feels like something big is missing and I can't quite put my finger on what
0: it also, and this isn't a problem, but just, uh, I don't have a problem with this sort of thing, but uh, just a, a thing I noticed. Cause I, I, I find myself thinking about once upon a time in Hollywood and reading stories after the movie came out of, younger moviegoers who don't know who Sharon Tate is and don't really know anything about the Manson family other than like Charles Manson was a murderer uh, or whatever that's like all they know and being confused about what was happening and I was and I I found myself thinking like wow this movie really presupposes it assumes a lot of knowledge about um, not just Citizen Kane but also William Randolph Hearst and Marion Davies yeah I, and i'll say this
1: uh not to toot my own horn because if anything i think i'm admitting something somehow negative but uh i got pretty much everything like when they reference like charlie letterer and he's like he's marion davies nephews i got it i knew that yeah, 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 like i person. i can i can follow all of this and yet so like if this movie was for anybody it was me and yet somehow it just seemed to be it, it felt like it was just kind of missing a soul. I don't know. Uh I might be overstating when I say that.
0: Uh well I let mean, I'll ask you this question because I, I mentioned having gone to to um um to Hearst Castle and taken the tour, and obviously the tour mm-hmm. is very pro-Hurst. Extremely, yes. So this movie would would suggest that, that Mank was a common guest at San Simeon and was actually very well liked by, by William Randolph Hearst. We were told in the tour when someone brought up Citizen Kane that Herman Mankiewicz visited Sam, San Simeon exactly once, made a drunken fool of himself, and was uh, asked never to come back. Which is closer to the truth? Uh, As far as... Uh,
1: I I mean, I always heard... I know that he was close with Marion Davies. Okay. Um, I don't know how much that translated to him coming to visit, but the idea of being the drunken fool, as opposed to the, uh, you know, the, the wise old man who can say these, these witticisms, but there's a wisdom to it. Um, yeah, that certainly does not seem to be the case one way or another. Um, but yeah, it's like between like, like that's the other thing is there's a lot, there's a lot of lies and rumors about things. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you never quite including, you know, stuff like who wrote Citizen Kane? Like there's just so much swirling around and everybody seems to have, everybody benefits from one or the other. So this idea of like of Hearst Castle, not to suggest that they would lie, but they're very pro Hearst and anti Kane. Mm -hmm. And so anything that suggests that Citizen Kane had any, uh viability or any believability or uh, anything yeah. at all uh is something or cred- credulity whatever uh, credibility pardon me um yeah that's downplayed but then elsewhere the idea of well we need to we need to make it seem like uh like yeah no hey this is how Hearst really was I know because I was there all the time like then he you know Wells and 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 uh, Mankiewicz like they benefit from that the truth is likely somewhere in between and I do know that he was uh, he was fairly close with uh, with Marion so uh, that that part is true and that okay. part of the film is is uh, pretty well represented I think um, okay uh, this is me yeah. right Yep, you're up okay. Uh, sorry, I'm, ba- I'm usually better at keeping track of that sort of thing. So uh, as mentioned, um, I am part of a, a weekly movie night with like seven other people and every, uh, everybody, uh, every week, somebody picks a movie, we all watch it and we discuss it every Tuesday evening. Uh, and this week we watched Robert Zemeckis' Contact, a film I have not seen since 1997 when it
0: came out. I've never seen it.
1: You're not missing a lot. Oh, uh, I didn't like it at the time but i was also 15 so i'm willing to put it down to that that i thought i thought it was boring at the time but that's because i had a very specific idea of what a science fiction movie should be uh and it's just like hey tom scarrett's in this john hurt's in this why is there not a fucking alien in this thing um and so i didn't put it quite that way but it is similar but the film is what you would call hard sci-fi. And uh, and so it's the kind of thing that in retrospect, even though I remembered a shocking amount of it, um, in retrospect, I was just like, you know what? I'm actually eager to revisit this because I like Robert Zemeckis. This thing has a great cast, including Jodie Foster, Matthew McConaughey, James Woods, John Hurt, Tom Scare, William Fichtner, uh, David Morris, Angela Bassett. Uh, and yeah, it's... it's, a, it's uh, Pretty like kind of a heady uh, heavy heavy hitter. Head well, yeah. I guess it's kind of heady as well, but that's not what I meant right. to say. Um, and, and so, hiver remains <laughs> is not a word. Exactly. Well, I'm working on it. I'm seeing if it'll. I'll seeing. I'm seeing if it'll catch on.
0: Um, At press time. Not a word.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's true. Um, look, the world moves so fast these days, Dave. Uh, and so. Um, yeah it's it's so frustrating because there's so much about the movie that that can work it has so much potential it is, it's about uh you know uh, scientists picking up a, a, an alien message that ultimately is like uh, uh, schematics like plans to build a transport that uh, that can take you to this other world and so uh but in the midst of all this is the question of like faith versus science or faith versus reason, whatever you want to call it. And there's this sort of debate, uh, about that. And, you know, Hey, it's like, there's a science fiction movie that, that, uh, deals with the idea of faith, like should be right up my alley. Um, but at the same time, You know, at the time when I saw it, I didn't like it because I hadn't seen enough science fiction movies. Now I don't like it because I've seen plenty uh, Mm -hmm. that have that do this much better. Mm -hmm. Uh, This movie is and this is not usually a thing I am bothered by. This movie is very talky, Uh, so much so that there are times when I'm just like, yeah, okay, let's yeah, we got it. Let's move it along. But the problem is it's it's talky at like. In in sci-fi terms, like if I were to give it a letter grade as far as level of intelligence, like a B. Hmm. All right. If if it's operating at an A plus level of like really delving into this shit, by all means, be as talky as you want to be. But this is like, oh, so it's like slightly above mediocre for two and a half hours. Just people talking. And it's the kind of thing like, hey, the debate between science and religion, let's do it but nobody, neither side are really making great points. And so it's just stuff like that. And it's, it just feels like there's so much potential in the film, but I feel like it's just not operating at the highest level of intelligence that one would come to expect from the genre. Um, And uh, yeah, it was, it was disappointing. There are people that that disagree. There are people that, that really respect what the film is trying to do, which I think I do as well, but I feel like the execution is, uh, I think it comes up short.
0: Uh all right uh after Mank I watched another um uh, movie that is uh, uh underwhelming not terrible but underwhelming and that's uh uh Max Barbakov's Palm Springs uh starring Andy Samberg and Kristen, Mili- Kristen Milioti um I forget did you watch this one? Uh no. Do you know what it is? <laughs>
1: Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, well, I mean, without going into it, it's, it's a same day thing, a same day yeah, repeated a, kind of thing.
0: Yeah. Um, as Andy Simmer says, it's one of those infinite time loops things you may have heard about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and there's stuff like that. Like I said, I just said that and I left there's, there's, there's funny, uh, there's funny stuff, uh, in it. the movie is enjoyable. It's pleasant. And as it goes on, that kind of becomes part of the problem. Mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, this uh, thing has been done to death, this this, this premise. Um, uh, weirdly, I made a fool of myself uh, on a recent movie journal when I was talking about boss level, and I was like, oh, I don't know if I've ever seen one that starts, you know, it starts with the movie with the person already being well into the the loop um because i hadn't seen palm springs yet which doesn't sure. like, we get the impression that he's been doing this for a long time mm-hmm. by the time uh by, by the time the, the the movie starts and um what happens is that uh, i guess this is yeah I, there's not too many spoilers plus this came out all, like a year ago at this point um previously was just a, one of the people that he encountered every single day ends up finding herself in the time loop as well uh that's 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 the the premise um and uh i, I think but what so the interesting take like i said this but okay i'm trying to backtrack to like how did i get to where i was uh, this has been done a lot and i think the interesting take that this movie does is that Chris Melita's character is like, we got to figure out how to get out of this. And Andy Samberg has been doing it so long uh, and is so comfortable in it that he doesn't really want to leave the time loop. Mm -hmm. I've never really seen a version. And now, now that I say that someone will come up with an example of a time loop movie where someone, (laughs) a Groundhog Day type movie where someone wants to stay. But uh, to me, that's an interesting premise. The problem is that the movie is too concerned with you liking everybody sure to make his 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 reticence his complacence um and his willingness to keep things the way that he likes them as much of a negative character trait as it should be i feel like um this could have been one of those movies and i kept feeling like and and again i'm this is me prescribing like what the movie could have done differently which is uh kind of a point of time but i kept a waste of time but i kept feeling like this was going to be one of those movies where the protagonist changes. Yeah. Like, uh, uh, like, I was like, okay, we start with him and then she joins the thing and like we start to see things from her perspective. And it felt like the movie was going to then shift to being about her. I kept waiting for a reveal where it's like, oh, Andy Sanders' character is actually kind of like not that great a guy. Right. And we need to be with her. And it never quite did that because it still wants you to like him too much. Um, and and so it felt kind of uh uh toothless and under committed um but still it's kind of fun sure you know and and it finds fun like things to do with him knowing what's going to happen uh uh, every day and then her knowing what's going to happen um and some dark comedy with the like uh um uh uh, you know they know that if they die it resets right away so like there's a part where he's like he had like in, the, in his mission. He like to whatever he's doing in the moment. I won't say uh, has to leave Palm Springs, uh, and then he finds out what he n- needs to find out, and basically decides, in order to avoid the traffic, driving back to Palm Springs <laughs> to just kill himself, <laughs> so that he can get to the next day already. <laughs> uh, funny. So the, the, yeah, there's there's yeah. there's funny stuff in it, but um, uh, overall just kind of underwhelming. But still better than. The next movie on my list, which I knew I wasn't going to like because I just generally don't like this guy's movies. Does this uh, movie also have to do with time? It does. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, I watched Christopher Nolan's tenant and yeah. i almost wish that i could just like just copy and paste my thoughts on inception here and then we move on because uh, it, it really just like I, I you know i wanted it to be something different but i basically disliked it for most of the same reasons i disliked uh, inception i don't like how um po-faced it is i don't like how uh uh talky again like you were saying with contact talky but like um with things that don't really mean anything either like yeah the the fake mumbo jumbo you know I, tell, I i i compared um i compared soul to inception because it's also a movie that keeps like sort of changing the rules and having to re-explain them the difference yeah. is that soul is and again i'm soul is not i don't think it's that great uh, a movie any anyway um i'm i'm kind of uh, you know middle of the road on it but soul is least is saying like have fun this is fun let's have fun yeah. with this yeah Christopher nolan does not want you to have fun god forbid, know oh <laughs> you know even though like there's cool crazy shit happening uh all the time but like you know god forbid you crack a smile while watching this movie this is serious cool crazy shit um yeah like maybe you're supposed to do like an odd like whoa but you're not supposed to be grinning at this movie yeah. um uh which is which i i wanted to be like it feels like there's cool and there are things that had that happen in the movie you know like uh um the use of the of the forwards and backwards time you know revisiting a scene way later in a movie movie and seeing it again from a different point of view it's cool i i to a certain extent but it's also like cool in an antiseptic kind of distanced kind of way i can't feel myself uh I'm not taking the thrill ride uh, uh with with the movie that I would that I, that I would want to take um the I think the characters are pretty thinly drawn um I think Robert Pattinson probably comes off the best yeah for and and like that's not saying he's a better actor than John David Washington or Elizabeth Debicki or Kenneth Branagh um it's more that just like his character is like allowed to have fun a little bit There's a breeziness to
1: his character. And I almost feel like the film would have benefited if it had sort of taken its cues from him, from Mm -hmm. that, that character, you know, Um, I mean, I mean, you know, combine like the, the, some aspects of Palm Springs with Tenet and the idea that like his character has been doing this for so long, the time, like think about who think about yourself, but time doesn't mean what it used to. You probably mm-hmm. go a little bit crazy. And I, and imagine if this film, and it's, exa- it's, it's what you and I say about inception, That like it's about dreams, but not actual dreams that you would have had that anybody's had like that are just sometimes just crazy. Like last night, uh, today I took a nap. I had a dream that Jen, uh, that I was at a party Uh, with a bunch of people and Jen took all of our car keys and hid them all over the city and then put together, like put together, like a series of clues for all of us to like go from one place to another, to another. And then I said like before, and she goes, well, you guys better get going. And then I, this is all in the dream. And I said, wait are we like on teams or are we all just going because you're all just going and then i screamed it's like it's a mad 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 world and then dashed off all right which incidentally (laughs) it's not there were teams but whatever anyway um so that's the that's the bullshit dream i had today okay and like and inception doesn't doesn't do anything like that and i feel like the the natural Insanity that would come with the the concepts that we're dealing with in Tenant, no, like he's not willing to deal with that because that's that's not cold and clinical and and it might give somebody the impression that this is not something to be taken so very seriously. Yeah, yeah Tenant is a great
0: point that that like it it seems like it's this crazy concept, but whenever it's explained to anyone in the movie, they're just like. All right, got it. Yeah, (laughs) just go with it.
1: They work in an office somewhere for all all we know. Yeah, it's it's like, and that's the front, just like with Inception, there are set pieces that are great. And they're like, this is, uh, this is
0: solid filmmaking. The The freeway
1: scene gets me.
0: Okay. There are are a couple of them. Right at the beginning, the essentially, like, the heisty type thing of John David Washington and Robert Pattinson, like, reverse bungee jumping into, like, a high-rise penthouse. Yeah. It's super
1: cool. Yeah. There are such neat concepts and neat set pieces. He is a very, an extremely competent and very talented director, but just, like he just gets in his own way all the time. Yeah. It's like, I want to like your movies. Yeah. You don't want me to like them. I don't know what's going on here. Yeah. Hey, anyway. I
0: love Don. I love Don I, I think because maybe because it's the, it has the less, least dialogue of any one of his movies.
1: And it's at uh, least dealing with war. It's dealing with a dire circumstance, right, right. you know, it tonally, it, it at least fits. Um all right, You I'll have you, one more. Right? I do have one more. Uh, and it is a movie that's everything that we said, it's the opposite of everything we said about Tenet. Uh, I saw Adam Wingard's Godzilla vs. Kong. Okay. Uh, so last night, I went to a theater. Really? i did uh i have also been vaccinated i don't know if uh i've told you that um
0: you've told me that i can't remember if you've said it on the podcast but yeah oh yeah so yes Uh, i've gotten
1: both of my shots uh the 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 screening was sold out which meant there was like 25 people there like they're really not selling a lot of tickets i was very far away from everybody kept my mask on just in case because you never know and
0: you're vaccinated
1: so i mean and i'm vaccinated yeah um but yeah, and uh, and even though I could have watched it on HBO Max, I just felt like, hey, it's an opportunity oh, guess what? to go. I
0: can't. I've been back and forth with HBO Max. None of their like, also in theaters stuff, will play on my smart TV. I can watch it on my laptop, but that's not. My laptop, really? not, not UHD HDR. So, like, that's how I watched Judas and the Black Messiah. Well, luckily, I've seen Judas and the Black Messiah before. But uh, yeah, and uh, I've been bad. This is an ongoing thing with me. And like, it's gone beyond the the regular customer service to where now I'm sharing emails with like tech people there. They're trying to figure out why this stuff won't play oh, on, wow. on my on my TV. So, I uh, I mean, I haven't really, you know, like I said, I already saw Judas and the Black Messiah at Sundance. I wasn't like, champing at the bit for tom and jerry or for godzilla versus yeah Kong. but mortal
1: Kombat's coming up obviously you're gonna yeah, want to see true. that yeah um but uh yeah so uh I, I was happy that i saw it in the theater okay so the movie is at times the dumbest thing i've ever seen at other times it's directed by adam wingard It is the most batshit crazy in the best way Mm. kind of thing. And that thing that I've ever seen, like there are moments in here. It's like, yep, there's Godzilla fighting King Kong in the middle of a big city. That is exactly what we all wanted. And that is what we are getting. What you don't expect is some weird journey to the center of the earth uh, imagery. Oh, by the way, and plot point. Um, Mm. And there are times that the movies incredibly surreal and strangely beautiful and you're like oh, what is this doing in this I'm glad it's here but what I was not expecting this uh and and as far as like character stuff I mean you know poor Alexander uh, Skarsgård and and, Rebe- and Rebecca Hall like man they just get relegated to like the, there are leads ostensibly but at the same time they're just their job is to just say this unfortunately functional dialogue brian Tyree henry uh, does a little bit better because his character is like a, con- a conspiracy nut um but the real the real draw here is obviously king kong and godzilla but specifically sorry kong he's not king yet um but uh stick with it he'll get there like for like Kong Skull Island, and then this, like they're leaving out the king thing. And uh, it feel and I feel like we're there are aspects to this. It's like, okay, so are we heading? We seem to be heading towards this, mm-hmm. towards the title. Um, but anyway, um, that uh, play uh, d- the the physicality is done by Terry Notary, who was who was in uh, the square, which I never saw. Um, oh, yeah, but, uh, but yeah. I mean, he's our lead essentially. Even like much more than Godzilla. Godzilla is seen as more of a supporting. Like this is Kong's story, and you're right there with him. Like he's extremely nice. sympathetic.
0: Yeah, Godzilla. This Godzilla's already had two movies. He's had two. Yeah, Kong's so it's gotta. Good. He's gotta catch yeah. up. Yeah,
1: that's nice. And I think they also recognize that, like, yeah, you can have a little bit more emotion in the face mm-hmm. with this uh, this big uh, monkey. But uh, yeah, the movie is like don't. don't don't expect much more than the title will suggest. And you will be surprised by how much more there is in there, but there's also exactly that in there. So it's, uh, I was glad I was glad I saw it. It was fun. Go and read the Matt Zoller sites review, it, the four-star review in which I, like, I th- he, I think he's lost his mind. Um, his love for this movie is astonishing and the stuff that he is putting on it. I don't think he's, I I, I don't think he's uh, doing it consciously or trying to be a contrarian, but the stuff that he sees in this movie, like I admire him. Uh, for being able to see that stuff in this film, but uh, yeah, so there you go.
0: All right, uh, last two for me too. Uh, we're ending on a high note. Two absolute masterpieces um, that I've seen late in the game and are having an act- could be having an actual effect on my uh, uh, picks for t- top ten movies of the year. We'll wait and oh, see uh, for wait wait and see for two weeks. But uh, the first one is uh, Garrett Bradley's documentary Time. Oh sure, um, which uh, is. About a it's it's about a woman uh, who um, is trying to get her husband resentenced and get him out of jail. The two of them in the late nineties, um, along with a third person who never gets mentioned again. So I'm not sure what happened to him. But the two of them, another person, robbed a bank. Um, she was the the driver. She didn't actually go in, but it was armed uh, armed armed robbery. Um, she was sentenced to twelve years. Served seven. He was sentenced to 60 years without the possibility of parole. Um, wow! And and um, the but what I'm the details of the case. That's all you really need to know because this is not it, it, this is not like an issue advocacy documentary. It reminded me in a lot of ways of the the HBO documentary from uh, like three years ago called The Sentence, which is very good. But The Sentence is clearly like it's an emotional appeal against mandatory minimum sentencing it has sure. a point of view um th- this movie is not advocating for any action it's right a portrait of, of of a person and and um uh and it's not about the couple it's not about the case we don't really get into the details of um we don't get much more than her backstory about why they robbed a bank in the first place. We don't go into the details of their appeals process, like what laws they're the kind of things you'd expect in this kind of documentary. You don't have, you don't have scenes of the lawyer explaining like, uh, here's what the work here's what we're going to do, whatever. It's really just this woman, uh, enduring or sometimes not enduring. Um, uh, and it, it's sort of only in retrospect that I realize, Oh, here's if it's making a point, here's what eventually sank into me is that you watch this woman mother of six by the way this intelligent compassionate at this point in the present day uh successful businesswoman a very spiritual active in her church person Mm -hmm. and you think this person robbed a bank yeah (laughs) and then and then only like after watching the movie that i realized like oh if she's not the person who robbed a bank who's to say her husband, who we barely meet at all in the movie, right. at all, at all. It's not, it's not about him. Uh, who's to say her husband, who's sir, who's one third through his 60 year sentence. Who's to say he's the same person who robbed a bank 20 years ago. Right. Um, uh, but, but really the movie is just the experience of, 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 of this, of this woman's in, in incredible uh, compassion and, 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 endurance and endurance um, uh, um, and, and, and yeah, her, The things that she is, her her resilience, it's one of those, there's like an exception that breaks the rule or an exception that proves the rule moment. Her resilience, emotional fortitude through all of this is only really noticeable during the one moment. Like we only really think about it in the one moment that she breaks, you know, that this, that she's, she's talking about her husband's life, the life of the father of her children and the people she's talking about on the other end of the phone. He's just like, another piece of paper a case you know yeah. uh, uh, to them and she's like polite on the phone with this person and then like hangs up and is like i just need to keep repeating to myself you know she's like trying to talk herself through this yeah. and then she just like loses it and she's like these it like the, the only <laughs> time in the movie she like really loses it and yeah. it's it's like very emotional because it makes you realize that she's been she's been doing this for 20 years and the fact right. that she's not this angry all the fucking time is a testament. Um, the movie is super beautiful. It's, it's uh, beautifully shot in black and white and also full of home video footage of um, you know, cause at, the, at this point um, her children are, you know, the old, the youngest one is like in middle school, but um, we, we see all this footage of, of, of the children growing up. And, and I think it's a smart, um, a smart play on, on Garrett Bradley's part. Um to barely include the husband, we see him in some of the footage yeah. uh, you know a couple of times because mostly of the movie's about uh, his absence from, yeah, from, exactly. from his own family um uh, anyway, r- really, really powerful stuff uh and then finally, I really wish I had gotten to this one before he voted, so I would have had. Um, an anim- animated movie from this from last year that i really believed in but wolf walkers which is yeah. uh, from the same folks who made um the secret of kells and song of the sea which i found myself thinking like i wish i wish there were like a blu-ray set of the three of these that i could give to tyler and jenny because <laughs> um this is the like I, if i if i had kids i'd be like so eager to show them yeah. these movies uh, they're so much fun they're so so gorgeous um there. they um there's a there's a magic to them i mean i found myself partially because of the time in the setting thinking about the sword and the stone which is a very different movie tonally and everything but has a sense of uh abandoned and magic the exact opposite of the way that christopher nolan treats things in, in his movies i <laughs> <laughs> like like there's uh, even though wolf walkers gets you know there's there's serious stakes here it's about um an english girl whose father um, uh, is a hunter for the English Lord Protector, quote unquote, of this um, Irish town. Um, they're not liked because they're English and they work for the Lord Protector. Um, but his job, uh, her dad, her dad's job is to clear the forest of wolves so that the town's sort of industry can expand into the forest. But it turns out there are uh, magical people who are who can commune with wolves and live in the woods, called wolf walkers. And when the daughter meets the begin becomes friends with the wolf walker girl. She's like, oh, my dad can't like kill all these wolves, you know, they're, yeah. they're cool. You know, they're cool with my friend. They're cool with me. That's, that's what she's saying. Um, uh, but from there, yeah, um, it's funny. Uh, and by the way, um, uh, thanks to Sean for being on the episode on the, on the podcast last week. Um, uh, off mic or on text sean and i were talking about just as a joke like what are the most metal movies of uh of of um of 2020 because like his, his joke was that like sound of metal is on the list but it's not the most metal movie uh, he, he, his pick was possessor which is hard to argue with in a way it, for a certain type of metal wolf is pretty metal because it's like sure. it's got that like uh, it's got wolves it's got Witchcraft. it's got the woods, it's dark, it's fiery, it's, you know, not very bloody because it's a kid's movie, but, like, it's the kind of thing where, like, you know, as an adult, like, okay, there's, that's bloody. We're not seeing it because it's a movie for kids, but something bloody just happened just off screen. Yeah. Um, uh, it's, uh, so it's uh, very uh, powerful and transportive, but also very whimsical and fun and magical and, again, absolutely gorgeous to look at uh, at the same time.